Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 63 of the Reinvention Me Podcast. Knowing your EQ and growing your EQ are two different things. In this episode of Reinventure Me, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to talk more about how to grow our emotional intelligence. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hey ho, welcome to episode 63. Larry Gates here with Armin Asadi. I caught him mid-drink. He was just about to... <laughs> I like to see if I can catch Armin in the middle of doing something silly, uh, which mid, doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and mid-swallowing. Mid-swallowing, your mom, yeah. Or your exactly. mom, your wife just made. <laughs> hey, welcome to this episode of Reinventure Me. This is the podcast for what's next in life. We'd like to help you find new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the ventures God's called you into. Because life is, after all, a journey, right? That's right. I like the caribou coffee slogan. What is it? It says, life is short, stay awake for it. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I just think that's really pretty that clever, really good, you know? Yeah. yeah, stay awake for it. <laughs> well, we are glad you're here, and this is episode 63, so you'll find our show notes on this episode at reinventure.me slash 63, and we are picking up from where we left off last week. That's right. Part two. Part two. Dude, this is the uh, this is the son of emotional intelligence part one. That's right. We're going to start off with an inspire me. Yes, we're big Albert Einstein fans. We this are. may or be the fourth time. We're no, I'm sure we've long <laughs> eclipsed four. I'm sure we have actually. Mr. Pithy himself. <laughs> so Albert Einstein said, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. Mm. Simple, easy, to the point, and I think it Kind of points to our topic today. Yeah, because we're going to talk about how to increase and how to grow our emotional intelligence. And clearly, Albert Einstein was a very intellectual man. Be curious to understand a little bit about what his emotional fabric was like. I don't think Hmm. I've ever read much about Albert Einstein's emotional life. I guess I always kind of thought of him as just this stoic Everything is just mid-level kind of guy. You know? Right. Isolated, so you never really see his emotions anyway. Yeah. What would a temper tantrum look like for Albert Einstein, right? I don't know. It's like, oh. break a pencil? Yeah, I wonder what he... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was terrible. Break the I wonder, what, I wonder what he got upset about. <laughs> well, let's talk about what we talked about last episode, just for those who either were coming into the show and then didn't quite catch it, or um, those who are not clear on what... EQ or emotional intelligence is all about. So EQ, what EQ is, there's five different categories in your emotional intelligence. So there's the self-awareness piece, Mm -hmm. which is one, which is emotional awareness. You're being aware of who you are, your identity and your level of confidence. What triggers you. and Right. Self-regulation. So in an emotional situation, how do you control yourself? Yep. Or at all, if you do. 
Third part being internal motivation. So how do you motivate yourself or is your motivation based on external things based on like what people think or is it based on what you desire, what Mm -hmm. you want, the goals that you have set, the things that you're committed to? The fourth piece is empathy. So how you empathize with other people where it's this is not about you. This is the awareness of others. Do you have the ability to be aware of people's emotions, the conflicts that they're having and that kind of stuff? The fifth piece leading into it, talking about conflict, which was the social skills. So do you have the ability to influence people, to communicate clearly, to resolve conflicts, negotiate, whatever it is. Build rapport and all those things. Build trust. Yep, Yep. those things. Mm -hmm. So those are the five components of emotional intelligence. And those are things that make up what emotional intelligence is. Yeah, and simply put, it's the ability to understand ourselves, what drives us and how we're perceived by others and how we influence others and how we relate to others and what we do and how we work. Right on. Yeah. But today we're going to talk about how to grow your EQ. So this is the application form of your emotional intelligence. And there's a saying that I won't say (laughs) (laughs) because you would disagree with it. No, uh, there was, I I don't know who said it, but they said that you can't. I've heard you say something you didn't say. (laughs) I know. Well, there is a saying that Larry doesn't agree with. I don't agree with either, but they say that you can't raise your IQ, but you can definitely raise your EQ, but I don't agree with that. I think you can raise your IQ and. I think you and your wife obviously would agree with that as well. But EQ is something everybody agrees that you can raise. And it's something that's pretty easy to apply in terms of understanding it and putting it into your life. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, we have uh, spent a few shows talking about mindset and how you can create a growth mindset. And so the question really is, how do you view your limitations? And of course, there's always a debate about whether certain traits are fixed or are they malleable? I tend to think that more things are malleable than we like to think they are, perhaps. Right. Although, you know, Tolstoy is famous of saying everyone wants to change the world and no one wants to change themselves. Mm-hmm. So perhaps the most immalleable thing that we have to deal with is to change ourselves. Right. And back to Einstein's quote here. And that's why I think it's the height of intelligence is the ability to adapt and to change mm-hmm. and be willing to change what you're dealing with. And some of the hardest work, I think, in change is at the emotional level. Right. Because it isn't the rational place and it's the hardest part to get a hold of and control. Mm -hmm. You know, we can think about something or logically think through something and we can rationally decide to take path A or path B, for instance, in a decision. Mm -hmm. But when something triggers you, makes you upset, uh, somebody who's annoying, it keeps coming after you or you just have a history with mm-hmm. that can really create this challenge to how do you break that? Yeah. How do you get better at handling your emotions when things are, are challenging there? So that's what we need to talk about. Yeah. So let's just jump into it. What's the first thing you're thinking? Well, I think there's a number of things that we can do. Now, here's the problem with emotional intelligence is that it's such a broad space. You mentioned the five different categories, right? Mm-hmm. So we're only going to talk about a few of these today that I think have been helpful things for me mm-hmm. as I've looked at trying to increase my own emotional intelligence and maybe helpful for you. But what we're going to ask is at the end of this show, we're going to ask people to give us their comments and tell us what are some of the strategies they've used to increase their own emotional intelligence, because I think that's really going to be even more instructive. And so if you're listening to this episode, you'll want to be sure to check out the show notes, reinventure.me slash six three leave your own comment there, but also review any of the comments that might've been left by other listeners so that, you know, we can all grow from this. But 
Here's one thing that I found, you know, only recently have been consciously trying to adopt this. And by recently, I mean like in the last three years. And that is just to practice alternative explanation for behaviors that you see that you don't really appreciate, right? Mm, yeah. Or no, right? And what that does is it depersonalizes the conflict, whether it's perceived or real. Let me give you an example of that. I had a writing mentor, and one of the assignments that he gave us was to critique his book that he wrote. It's a fabulous book. I really enjoyed it. But I wrote 23 pages commentary back to him. And a lot of it was just very positive. Here's the stuff that I just really enthralled by this choice of words, all the rest. And I don't think there was really anything negative there. There might have been a few questions, but I didn't remember writing anything very negative. Well, I sent him my review back. And you know, when you put that much effort into it, you're kind of expecting a response. I never got a response. Like, you know, after a few days, I'm starting to think, well, okay. And after about a week, this is what happened. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I got to look at what I wrote. And I reread oh, no. what I wrote. I'm trying to think, okay, where did I create an offense, right? right. <laughs> Finally, I got a response back. He's like, no, he's traveling and he was gone. And it was like, but see, I thought it was all about me. Right. And I was already stressing out that his non-responsiveness was somehow about me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't at all about me. You know, so the way we have to do is just practice thinking about what other explanations could exist to describe the behavior that we're seeing. Right on. A friend of mine, a long time ago, she had an annoying behavior, but it was really very charming because we were driving somewhere, I was driving somewhere, and this car cut right in front of me. I mean, just nearly ran us off the road. And I'm using my high EQ, self-restraint, calling the guy a turkey, an idiot. You know, I'm just like ranting at the driver. And, you know, nothing about self-regulation there at all. (laughs) There was no element of self-regulation in my response. getting out of your car. (laughs) And Priscilla, our friend in the back seat, we were going on a double date, you know. She just said, you know, Larry, I think that person must be really having a bad day. I bet they're in the hurry to get home for something or there might be an emergency. I mean, she was like totally mindful of another explanation for them. Mm. That irritated me. You know, it's kind of (laughs) like, how come you don't empathize with my feeling and enter into that? But she was really able to take a look and say, you know, don't just assume that they're trying to do you harm. They may just be not mindful of you and they're moving on because they're mindful or worried about something themselves. Mm. You know, there's a quote that's been attributed to Plato. It hasn't been proven that he actually said this, but in any case, it says, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Right. You probably heard that. I haven't actually, but it's really good. It's a good quote. And regardless of whether Plato said it or not, it's a good reminder that everyone we meet is fighting a battle. Mm -hmm. And so that just means that we need to step back from it. And so one of the ways that we can increase our EQ is just this alternative explanation, you know, reframing our behaviors. Yeah. Good story. Friend of mine applied for a job, got rejected. They turned him down. And his immediate response was, I must not be qualified. I must not be experienced enough. I must not have been appealing enough. Uh-huh. I must not have been enough, right? Yep, that was right. his typical and, stuff. Yep. Yep. And then he ran into the hiring manager two weeks later, or she ran into a hiring manager two weeks later to come to find out they made a hire 
before she ever interviewed and the people that were still interviewing her had no idea that the person was already selected. was already hired yes and, so, and, and they told her if that other person hadn't been you would have been our choice uh-huh. and all the conclusions that she jumped to were all incorrect all incorrect mm-hmm, because now i think that that happens more often than we like and it's part of i think what is a really good exercise right. is whenever you are worried about something or whenever you start to evaluate a situation where you're thinking that you did something wrong or step back and reframe it. A very simple applicable piece that we're sharing here is just create an option B. If your go-to is a negative option A, Uh which is fine, there's nothing wrong with that, but balance it out and create an alternative option, which is option B, a positive one. Right. They rejected me option A, Option B, well, maybe I came into the party late and they would have wanted me if I would have came in earlier. That's right. That's right. Or another option could be that maybe that gives me an opportunity to take a better job that's yet to come that I don't have. And it keeps me from losing that opportunity because if I had taken this job, then I may not have the opportunity of taking a better job that's yet to come. And here's the beauty of this process I've realized is that the more you put intentional effort into creating that positive option B the easier those options come to you. Mm -hmm. You realize how many positive options there are out there because you start to see the positive possibilities rather than always just going to the negative. Because you have your ongoing list of negatives, right? You have a hundred things that you can jump to. At first, it's kind of hard to go to the positive. You don't really have a running list. Well, and it's often we get into this conspiracy mindset like the world is against us. You know? <laughs> totally, totally. Robert Orban wrote this quote. He says, sometimes I feel like the whole world is against me, but I know it's not true. The smaller countries are neutral. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> you know, and so the, the idea here is reframe it so that you don't see the whole world is against you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, reframing that leads us perfectly into the next one, Yeah, which is frame your response to another by owning the emotion. And this is something that you and your wife do well. Yeah, well, it's something that we have learned early on in our marriage and how we talk to each other, but we also have taught it to our kids. And that is to really own how your response to a situation is unfolding. And we use a formula, and the formula is very simple. It's when blank, right? I feel blank because blank, Hmm. and I would like blank. So let me show you how that works. You get in an argument, Mm-hmm. and somebody walks away, you ever have that happen? Yeah. Okay. I'm I mean, walk. you don't have to give me a detail. It's I was just, gonna say, I'm the walk just, away guy. <laughs> okay, just empathize with me for a second. <laughs> okay, so if you use this formula, you're describing what the situation was that caused you to feel a certain way. Okay. Okay, and why that made you feel that certain way. Now, that's the height of self-awareness, right, is when you can yeah. say, this is why I felt that way, and then you frame up what you would prefer as an alternate way of handling it. Okay. Okay. So in that situation, you'd say, when you turned away just then, I felt unimportant because my dad used to leave during arguments. Hmm. And I would like for both of us to stay engaged even when it's hard to do so. Wow. So now that's a very clear ownership of how you feel. I feel unimportant. I don't feel like I'm being cared for. And it describes when that occurs, so what the trigger is. When you turn away, that's a trigger. Now, you're not assigning blame. You're not saying, you make me feel unimportant. Hmm. That's the way we normally argue, right? You make me feel this way. Nobody can make you feel this way. But you can say, when you turn away, when you do an action, I interpret it a certain way. 
Hmm. Now, I own how I interpret it, but you need to understand why I interpret it that way because I grew up with a dad that always did that or hmm. whatever it is. Okay, here's another example. When I work with people in the business world, I love to know kind of where things are at. And one of my pet peeves is if I don't hear from someone, you know. Mm -hmm. So I've had to say this more often than I like. When I don't hear from you, I feel Mm -hmm. frustrated because I'm not sure if I should step in and do what I thought you agreed to do or give you more time to get it done. I would like for us to be in more frequent conversation about the status of that project. So that's using the when I, I feel because I would like formula. Hmm. And it works very effectively with people, I found. Now, notice that the ownership for the emotion is always with you. you yeah. Know, I feel. Yeah. And then you have yeah, an explanation. You made me feel. As opposed to you made me feel. Yeah. Right? Or I think I feel. Or I feel like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Those are not good emotional. Just straight, I feel. Right. And then notice there's no accusation. You know, like you're such a turd you made me feel this way <laughs> you know, or whatever <laughs> right you know or you're very selfish or you are whatever there's no naming what the other person is yeah you're just saying behavior mm-hmm. how i feel why i felt that way and what you would like yeah right here's what i like about what you're pointing out a lot of people have issues with conflict and it's really hard for them to jump to having conflict because it's a tense situation. It creates anxiety. It turns into something they don't want it to be. And it becomes a lot bigger conversation than most people are ready for. So what I like about what you're saying is when you're just saying when blank, you're saying here's the very specific situation mm-hmm. that caused me to feel this emotion. This is right. my emotional response to this right. specific situation. Right. And you're explaining your emotion of where it came from, which again, what you're saying is I'm taking responsibility. responsible, yeah, right? I'm exactly. responsibility for mm-hmm. my emotion, not yep. you. But then what you're doing is what most people don't do, and which we talked about in our conflict episode a long time ago. I don't know what it was, but you're offering a solution, which most people don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times the conflict becomes a thing that we avoid because it's just conflict for the sake of conflict. Mm-hmm. You bad, you bad, you bad, right? It's not, hey, let's get to the resolution. Yeah, and it's always better, I think, when you talk about the solution in the us rather than in the you. Right. I would like you to not do that again. Absolutely. You know, that would not be the same. It's all as, your fault. That's it's all right. your responsibility. Exactly. I, I'm just a victim. Right. Now, what you're doing then is you're inviting someone in to understand, and here's vulnerability, mm-hmm. is to understand why you respond a certain way, right? right? Like it might be confusion or whatever. I'm left frustrated because I don't know which action to take. I'm mm-hmm. confused. And there's a certain vulnerability yeah, in that, right? Absolutely. And when you do that, it's disarming. Yeah, it totally People is. are disarmed by vulnerability. Yes. They get defensive when you start using accusatory words and you put things in the you. Mm-hmm. When you put things in the I, this is what I own, and you own it, and mm-hmm. you explain why, it becomes disarming. And here's a bonus point to, I think, what you're throwing out as a suggestion here with this I feel mm-hmm. process is that when you take that approach with someone, you're actually raising their emotional intelligence of as course. well. Because yeah. you're saying, here's how I am responding to this situation because of this. You're literally helping them to become more aware of you. And awareness of others is one well, of the it, aspects. It is. And certainly... It helps that person understand how their behaviors can be perceived mm-hmm. and how they affects people. Right. And a far oftentimes we just pass it over. We just like, you know, I'm not gonna deal with that. It's too much trouble to go through it. And then it happens again and again and again, and you keep getting stressed by it. Mm-hmm. Right on. 
I love that. I think it's a phenomenal approach. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is increasing your presence of awareness. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So to be aware in being present, and you can do that in three different ways, right? So self-awareness is one form of just being present and you understand what's happening inside yourself. We talked about that in the last episode, and that's one of the key attributes of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. So how do you gain self-awareness? Well, there's lots of ways to do that. Journaling, meditation, prayer, even talking out loud with a friend. You know, sometimes you need someone just that you can process things with, as Emerson once said, a friend is whom I can think out loud. Hmm. So when you have that ability to just say, I am trying to get more self-aware. Now, Anna was that friend with whom I could think out loud. It's ironic because when we first married each other, neither of us was very good at processing our own emotions, but what we were pretty good at was staying with asking the questions. Hmm. And we did it in a way I think that was healthy with each other because we genuinely loved each other. We were trying to find out what is going on inside of you. So it was inquisitiveness in a way. I would like to learn more about you. I'd like to understand how you tick. So it helps us to understand how we think inside of ourselves and how we process what's going on with us. The second area we can increase our presence awareness is in our relational interactions, and that's a relational awareness. And that is really the empathy that we talked about in our last episode, where we can listen using active listening techniques to help others identify what they're feeling. And this is a little bit about what I just talked about that Anna did very well with me, and I was working to do that well with her. Those of us who have better sense of what the emotional fabric is that we felt with things are able to empathize a little bit better with others. So the more self-aware you are, the better you are at empathizing with others. Because unless you've kind of gone through some of that ground yourself, you won't be able to interact with others. Using phrases like, you know, it sounds like you're feeling annoyed, you know, at this. Empathy is all about relatedness, right? They've got to believe that you can relate to their experience and their emotions. And some of that is just reflecting with them. If the person that you're talking to in a relationship doesn't understand how they're emoting in that moment and that doesn't understand the impact of it, sometimes it's, it's helpful to just say, you know, I think I would be really upset or I think I would be really sad or help put words that might be for you. And even if they say, no, that's not what it is, it sometimes helps them get a little bit closer to what it is just to have them do that. I like that part that you're talking about of the act of listening. It's a really good technique that a lot of people don't use. So a lot of what I think people think is active listening is saying, mm-hmm, yeah, right. that's good, right. nodding their head. Right. It's not active listening. No. Active listening is being able to, well, actively listen to what they're saying and at some point take back all the things that they said like a translator would and throw it back at them, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't mean it in a bad way, but summarize it. So let me get this right. So what you said is in a summary form, is that what you meant and is that what you believe? Yes, no, okay. And if they say no, go deeper in the conversation. If they say yes, say great. All right, just making sure I understand. Anna is a master at this, and she's had to teach me that sometimes you parrot phrase before you paraphrase. (laughs) I've never heard that. That's awesome. And she'll tell me exactly what she needs me to say to her. Hmm. You know, (laughs) that, that helps her break through the emotion. We went to a party one time, 
And you party animals. Yeah, this was long ago. We went to a business party, and there were a bunch of programmers there. And Anna knows nothing about programming. Ooh, programmers party. Yeah, Yay. programmer party, right? So she knows nothing about programming. But I like to work the room, and she likes to speak to people one on one because she's more of an introvert than I am. Right. So I see her talking to this gal, and I'm thinking, oh no, she's talking to like the Uber geek. <laughs> that you know, this person has no ability to talk about anything other than code geekiness <laughs> you know so i'm walking over and i thought maybe anna would need to be rescued you know and so this gal is talking to my wife about writing device drivers for disk drives okay oh, like like and anna's asking her questions that were like programming questions i'm like they were intelligent they were smart they were like she was a programmer and i said anna how did you do that you you don't know a lick about programming. How are you able to carry that conversation on? And she said, I just listened to what words she was using. And when she got excited, I started asking her questions using the words that she'd use. I found questions to ask her. I had no idea what I was asking, wow. but she kept getting very excited and very animated about talking about <laughs> it and felt like she was really being heard. Uh, like she had no idea what she was saying, but it's cute. Master of empathy, <laughs> I've got to tell you. Uh, well, listen, when you're doing this, I think some of the things that's really helpful when you're trying to get down to somebody's core emotions, you know, there's so many different ranges of emotions. Yeah. I find it really helpful to just follow the three that I heard from Larry Crabb, a psychologist a long time ago. And he basically said people at their core struggle with three basic needs, security, significance, and control. Oh, that's good. And if you think about that and you're trying to be empathetic to someone, just ask yourself as you're listening to them, are they describing a need that's a security need? a need that is a significance need or a control need. Mm -hmm. And just knowing which of those three can really help guide you in the kinds of questions that you ask and the way in which you explore that with them. So the third area in awareness, because we're talking about presence awareness, right, is just contextual awareness. We talked about this a little bit last week, and contextual awareness means that we are attentive to past experiences we might have had in certain situations that can easily trigger us into challenge areas, right? Yeah, so yeah. like the classic is, you know, again, going home and visiting family yeah, yeah. and going into family situations and, you know, you just get into those and... I get anxiety uh, just thinking about some of them. Yeah, well, we all have those or people that we are used to being around and we know how they're going to, they might be toxic or whatever. We, mm. They just get our guard up. Yeah. So having awareness of those contexts mm -hmm. really, really can help you in becoming more uh, resilient and increasing your emotional intelligence as well. Right. We could have 10 more. Oh, yeah. We but have we have only, we're going to get into one more just for the sake of time sure. and our limitation that we have, which is just anticipating the possible responses that you can make. So set an intentional response. And I know you have a good guide for this. Well, this is the idea of trying to get proactive about how you're going to respond to something. And it really does help when you have that contextual awareness. So when you know you're going to go into a situation that's going to be toxic, when you know yeah. you're going to be easily triggered either in a relationship or in a setting, we always fight out in public when we go out to dinner or whatever, you know, you yeah. know how to gird yourself. Well, think about the different ways in which you can respond and choose an option. You know, Stephen Covey had said that there is a space between stimulus and response, and it is this space that lies our power to choose the option, which is in our long-term best interest, oh, right? It's good. just that moment 
when we can choose between mm-hmm. stimulus and response. So there are many options before all this. But you know, last week we talked about all this emotional intelligence really isn't a new thing. Yeah. And neither is this either. You know, if you look in the Bible, Jesus had talked about to his disciples, you know, he told them that they're going to be persecuted, they're going to be thrown in prison, they're going to be brought before kings and governors, and he says to make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. Ooh. So he's basically given them the same instruction as think ahead. I'm warning you, you're going to go into toxic situations, so think ahead about not worrying and how you're not going to defend yourself. And basically he's saying don't get toxic don't go into defensive fight or flight. That's what he's saying. Right. And he's saying, do it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So he is saying, be prescriptive in how you look at situations where you know you're most vulnerable. Yes. And that's really where it's hardest for us to exercise emotional intelligence mm-hmm. is when we're most vulnerable. So and yet it is the areas that usually we have should have been able to say, I should have seen that coming. It always happens. Yeah. But we just blindly go into it because we blindly went into it before. Yeah. And so thinking through that and identifying what your option is and saying, I am making up my mind beforehand that I'm mm-hmm. not going to defend myself. I know how to choose a healthy response and I'm going to choose it. I love it. And it might just be simple as saying, when I feel because, because I would like solution. Boom. Exactly. So before we get into this challenge, I just want to point this out that, and we touched on this in the last episode, but a lot of times we've convinced ourselves, maybe it's based on the society that we live in or the culture that we live in, that we convince ourselves, if we have blank, then we'll have happiness. If we have success, then we'll be happy. If we have money, we'll be happy. If we have title, status, whatever, we'll be happy. If we have this house and this place in this neighborhood that will have peace. Or if I look like this, dress like this, have this, that I'll have love. And I think the beauty of emotional intelligence and this whole self-awareness, awareness of others and all these things is that happiness is the way to success, not success is the way to happiness. So in the 60s, we learned in the peace movement, there is no way to peace that peace is the way. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys remember that because I wasn't around, but that was a big thing <laughs> in the 60s. And I think this is kind of what this emotional intelligence So that was a little before my time here. Even, just going to give you a little yeah. bit of clue. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so all that to just say is emotional intelligence is a way to create happiness in your life now rather than putting it, delaying and saying, when I have this and I'll be happy. That's not the way to happiness. It's being able to have happiness, have joy, have peace in the exact situations that you're in not waiting to have it, but having it now. Because if you don't have it now, just because you have more money later won't make you happy. If you don't have it now, just because you have status later won't make you happy. And emotional intelligence is a good, great, awesome tool to use so that you can have happiness, you can have joy, you can have peace now without having to wait for it. Because no matter what gets added onto your life, it's not going to change anything. But your happiness, your joy, your peace, your whatever can be the common denominator throughout it. Your happiness can increase over time. Maybe. Yeah. And I think the point that you might be raising here too, is that a lot of times we pin our happiness or joy on what other people do yep. and how they make us feel yeah. using that terminology, how right. they make us feel. Right on. And really the best advice I think does come back to Larry Crabby used to say his cardinal rule of mental health is only take responsibility for things you can control. Mm. And you can only control how you respond to a situation and the feelings that you have from it. 
Those are the only things that you can take responsibility for. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do that, it lifts your emotional intelligence, I think. So good. Yeah. So good. So let's go into the challenge. So what's the application side of this? Well, I think very simply, try that formula out. When I feel, because I would like, try that in your next conflict and let us know. We'd love to have a comment in our show notes about how that formula might have worked for you in your next area of conflict or disagreement with someone. Leave us a comment on that at the reinventure.me slash 63. Also, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we'd love to hear any of the other ideas that you have used to increase your own emotional intelligence. Some of the things, practices that you've tried that have worked well, we'd love to have those listed in our show notes as well. So leave a comment there for that. Well, that's all the time that we have for this episode. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Again, leave us a comment or call our show line at 612-314-5447. We sure love hearing from you. We like to hear about what topics might be of interest for you in future episodes. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we're saying so long. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your host, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.